Hey everyone, it's me, Lauren Brill. Alex Newts was a star wide receiver at the University of Buffalo. Well, he looked like he had it all. He was struggling with depression, anxiety, and an addiction to pain pills. Last year, Alex wrote an open letter on the Unsealed to his young son about his struggles. Now, on Unsealed Conversations, he shares with us what led him to his addiction and how he got sober. What do you think um, was the trigger to you getting addicted to pain pills at the time you you were a star athlete you were the hometown hero you were from buffalo playing in buffalo what kind of went wrong that you um that you decided that you got addicted that you got addicted to pain pills um yeah i mean i think uh, the main trigger like the natural trigger was um the pressure i would put on myself to be perfect um and I put that pressure even from like a super young age, uh, like middle school, even like before that, um, I just needed to be perfect uh, for everybody else, impress everybody else. Um, like I've told people before, I didn't even play football for me at the end of the day. I just, you know, everybody was so like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And D1 scholarship, let's go. And then, um, you know, you get a couple injuries, you have a couple painkillers and you're like, wow, like these really take away the stress and the anxiety and the pressure. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's a slippery slope, obviously. When did you realize that it was a problem? Um, when did I realize it was a problem or when did I actually like admit That's it was a problem. a problem? I mean, cause I like realized it. I realized it was a problem before I was actually addicted. Um, like halfway through my senior year of uh, college, um, you know, it was, I got to the point where I, I know I wasn't addicted yet. And I like would tell myself like, all right, like this is getting a lot out of control. Like you should slow down. But then like, I would always just make an excuse to take them. It's like, you know, to avoid this or avoid that. Um, so I knew then it was a problem. And if I didn't like figure it out soon, I was going to be addicted. Um, but, you know, and at the same time, I told myself, like, no, like, you're Alex Newts. You're a Division One football player. You know, people who get straight A's aren't drug addicts. So I, uh, you know, thought I was also invincible to a degree as well. What was your, mo that moment where you're like, this is not my life? Like, that you hit maybe a low point or a point in your addiction where you said, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Yeah, um... I mean, cause I went, I went through so much and then like, cause I, I mean, obviously football ended um, and it was just like to the point where I go through the identity crisis, I'm taking pills every day. Um, but then it gets to the point where I don't even know who I am anymore. You know, I get to the point where I'm getting in trouble with the law. Um, I'm, I'm getting robbed at gunpoint. Um, so I go from this, uh, this perfect straight A never gets detention in his entire life kid to all of a sudden you know, serious things are, you know, popping up in my life and I'm hanging around the wrong people. Um, you know, it gets to the point where I'm selling Xboxes and returning cans just to get drug money for one day. And it's like, you know, you, you can't keep this up much longer, um, you know, and you just get to that breaking point. How were you able to hide it from coaches, teammates, family members? I mean, you were, I was around you once a week and I didn't have a clue how, how were, how are you, how do people around you not see what's going on when obviously the situation is pretty grave? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the people closest to you, I think they spend so much time with you that they don't see it. Um, you know, if like you see somebody every day for six months and they're on like a weight loss program, like you don't all of a sudden realize, oh my God, you lost so much weight. But it's like, if you, somebody starts a weight loss program, you see them six months later, they're like, oh, like you look at me, like it's totally different. So for like the people who are like closest to you, it's even tougher because, you know, they're, they're seeing the trend, like, or the transformation yeah, daily. So it's, it's not as drastic. Um, whereas somebody who all of a sudden sees you six months later, like, holy shit, what, like, what happened to you, Alex? Um, you know, it's a little bit more apparent. Um, but then there's the denial factor, you know, of people who just say like, you know, like they're just in denial, like no way can my son be a drug addict. No way is my best friend a drug addict. Like no way after everything you accomplished, are you addicted to pills now? Um, you know, and you know, teammates, you know, I, I had friends who would say like, you know, you good, like, don't you think it's got out of control? And just be the same old answer. Like I am Alex Newts. Like I'm not a drug addict. People like me don't get addicted to drugs. So there's that whole, uh, you know, addiction doesn't discriminate is what I learned very quickly. What was the turning point for you? When did you start to get better and how? Um, so yeah, it was right around my 25th birthday. Um, you know, it got to the point where in my mind, like I was like, running through like the suicide thoughts of, you know, after everything I accomplished, like the ultimate letdown would be to go tell my parents, like your son's a drug addict. So how do I go look my parents in the eyes and be like, and my mom's here. Hi mom, love you. Um, but how do I go look my parents in the eyes and be like, your son's a drug addict. And that's just impossible, you know, um, in my mind for the person that I was with everything I do is dedicated to being perfect and never letting anybody down. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, suicide's the way out. Um, but, you know, my best friend was home from school that week. Um, you know, my mom can attest to this. You know, people came to her house and said like, hey, you need to check up on your son. Like he's really struggling. Um, and, you know, and on my 25th birthday, my parents had like an intervention for me. And I always say, I think the best thing that my mom did, you know, she like really researched addiction. Like she didn't just call me right away freaking out, but she like researched, you know, the best way to approach it um and you know like a couple of days later called horizon and you know checked into rehab and really started the uh the healing process did you get sober right away did once you went to rehab were you able to continue sobriety or did you have relapses um no definitely not right away you know like the first month um of rehab i definitely was relapsing and you know so that was almost where my need to be perfect and not let people down was a positive yeah. um, because I felt like such an idiot every time I would walk into uh, rehab and they'd be like all right like how'd you do this week and I'd be like yeah you know I was good I didn't I didn't do any drugs and then I would fail every drug test um, so you just like you feel like damn like now I'm letting even my counselors down so that's like where it almost benefited me because like all right Alex like you gotta, you gotta pass these drug tests, man. Like you gotta get it together, dude. How so. has your, so I think you were four years sober, three and a half? Almost five. Five years sober. How, looking back, what have you accomplished in the last five years and, and how has your life changed and what are you most proud of? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, probably the, the main obvious thing, you know, is my son. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And I know that's not like, you know, it's not an accomplishment to have a child, like, you know, in some people's eyes, but, um, you know, it could have easily been a different story. If I would have stayed on drugs, you know, maybe I wouldn't have a relationship with my kid. Maybe I would never have had a kid. Um, you know, so that's like the biggest accomplishment for me is just being able to be the father that I am to this point. Uh, and then also for like, the other thing is my dad and myself, like have the best relationship that we've ever had. Um, you know, we were all like, you know, he was a great parent and stuff like that, but we were never like close. You know, he was more of like, he provided for our family and did those things. But now we have a relationship on a completely different level where we do hang out. We do talk like just as like friends on a friend level too. Um, so that's probably, you know, between my son and the relationship with my dad are like my two favorite accomplishments and they're not even like real accomplishments. You know what I'm saying? You've also talked to me about the fact that you've learned to open up about your feelings and talk about things that you're struggling with. How has that impacted your anxiety and your ability to kind of cope with the challenges that come your way? Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm the first person to always, you know, suggest therapy like uh or you know recommend therapy to somebody um and that's the thing too is like you know like once you get sober like you're still not saved it's not like oh great like i'm sober like life is easy now um because now you actually have to deal with the hard facts and the hard things that made you turn to drugs in the first place so it almost becomes more difficult at times and then in the midst of all that there's still traumatic events happening in your life while you're sober you know i went through a traumatic situation with my ex-wife and then we go through divorce you go through only getting to see your kid half the time so there's so many steps along the way that you could easily just be like wow drugs sound good right now or this that would be an easy route to escape this kind of mess that's going on in my brain right now but um you know that's that's where like the relationship I built with my therapist and having amazing counselors you know made it so easy for me to just go talk to them and open up about it uh that's the biggest thing is everybody you know they feel so alone in like their most vulnerable moments because they're like, you know, nobody can understand what's going on. Nobody can really see inside my brain. But the thing is, there's so many people who are going through what you're going through and have gone through what you're going through. So the more you open up and the more you express what's going on, the easier those burdens you put on yourself really get. Was it hard playing football in the sense that I think football kind of breeds this horrible uh, mentality of, you know, don't show emotion, be tough. And, and they, they define toughness by something that I don't think is tough at all, but to bury your emotions instead of face your emotions was playing football, almost feeding into um, your anxiety because you weren't, you weren't being encouraged to express yourself. Yeah. And it was a combination of a number of things, you know, like everyone would always like say like I was the saddest kid on the team or like the least happy kid on the team. Cause for the most successful, I, you know, I would just sit there and I would look miserable. Like I would sit in the locker room. I didn't talk to anybody. Like I, it was just cause I constantly put so much pride, like even on practice days, like I just had to be perfect in my brain. And if I like made one mistake or dropped one pass, like it would just eat me alive. Um, but yeah, they don't breed a culture of being open. Like I tried to quit the team like multiple times and they just made me feel like crap about it. Said you're letting everybody down, like stop being selfish. Um, you know, even right before my senior year, um, and, you know, I tried talking to my head coach and said, like, hey, like, I'm really struggling right now. Um, it was during camp. I was like, I just need, like, a couple of days off to get counseling. I just need to talk to somebody. And I was just like, no, like, you need to get it together. You need 
nothing but practice your football family and to get your crap together basically um you know and had to go had to just forget about it basically so basically yeah someone like a head coach denying a kid a counselor who's asking for help and and what pe people who don't know you on the, this call like you were not just any player on the team i think you graduated you'd be the leading receiver of all time so you were yeah. the player yeah, it was uh, first in touchdowns, like second in catches and third in yards. I think it was like the final stat line. So, yeah, no, I performed somehow, you know, like I went out there and, you know, did my job. Um, you know, I was always good for that. But, yeah, it was one of those situations where, like, the better I did, the worse I felt somehow. It's crazy. That's really interesting. What advice would you have to a kid who who's kind of in that similar situation of, feeling the pressure of being a, a great player, but not all, but not able to really take care of their own um, anxiety or their own emotions or feeling lost or feeling alone. Yeah, I, I think the, and it's not even just like to a kid or a player in that position. It's just, it's really to anybody um, in life nowadays. Like the one thing I've realized over the past, you know, six or seven years, whatever, um, is just how short life really is, how fragile life is. So to not be doing what you want um, is just a waste of your time. Like yeah. I look back at it when I was 18 years old, I was offered a division one scholarship and I didn't want to do it, but everybody was so proud and so happy. And I wanted to make everybody, you know, around me, like live vicariously through me in a way, I guess. And like, I felt like not accepting it would be a letdown. Like how could you turn down free school to play football? Like you're crazy. Like that's nuts. Um, so like my mindset was literally like, all right, Alex, just sacrifice five years of your life. And if somebody told me now at 30 years old, Alex, you just have to sacrifice five years of your life. And I'd be like, what, the, like what five years? Like, that's a long ass time. Like life is too short to sacrifice five years of it. Um, so at the end of the day, it's more of like, do what you want to do. Like life is too short. Like you have to be happy. Um, uh, so if you're in a situation that's not making you happy or, football is not your dream and the NFL is not your dream like that's okay like because this is your life it's about you at the end of the day and what makes you happy would you go back and if you could and, and not play football it's tough um yeah I mean I think for like the mental anguish like the part that I would never give up is the relationships that I met the friendships I came across and like that brotherhood um, because there's literally like nothing like it and nothing could ever replace that. Um, but yeah, for my own mental health and my sanity, I would definitely not play football for sure. Um, Greg's actually a um, commissioner for an athletic conference and he has a question. Greg, what do you got? Oops, did I, I, lost my, I lost my video. I think I just did that. Sorry. Where are you? Okay. Um, ask to start video. There you go. And then spot video there. There we there go. Um, Alex, first, thanks so much for sharing your story. It really is. It's, it's inspirational. And I think it, it hits home um, for a lot of people. You, you, you talked about therapy and, and how that really helped you. What would you say to someone who is going to be very quick to dismiss therapy as working for them. They don't want to do it or they try it for one session and, and 
they get not they feel like they get nothing out of it. How would you encourage somebody to keep working through that? Um, I, and I think the best way to encourage them is one to have people that have had positive experiences, you know, reassure them that it is the right decision and the and the right move. Um, but also at the end of the day, you know, you have to put your all into therapy. Like you have to be there to want to get better and to, you know, want, I guess the changes that you're looking for. Um, you know, my first counselor, when I went to, uh, rehab, you know, she was a good counselor, but we just didn't quite, you know, vibe, you know, we weren't, you know, I don't, I don't want to say seeing eye to eye because it wasn't seeing eye to eye, but it just wasn't, you know, the right fit for me. So they put me with somebody else that ended up being the perfect fit. But if I would have just gave up and called it a day that because the first one didn't work out, who knows where I'd be today. Um, and I still see my counselor once a month and I've already technically graduated the place two years ago. But it's just like, you know, if you find that one that you can trust and truly like open up to, um, but it's a trial and error thing. You know, it's like anything, you know, it's might not work the first time, but you can't just give up. You got to keep working at it. It's like anything else in life. Yeah, I think what you said too is interesting, but you have to want the help. You can't just have other people wanting you to get help. You have to. Well, right. Right. And that's the other thing I tell, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I suffer from anxiety. I suffer from depression. It's, it's no secret. I've talked about it a thousand different times to a thousand different people. Um, and the number one thing that one people with addiction do and people with uh, depression and anxiety do is we procrastinate. Um, you know, we just, we say it'll get better tomorrow or I'll figure it out tomorrow. Addiction's the same thing, you know, like I'm gonna not take pills tomorrow, but today I'm gonna take them. And then tomorrow comes in. All right, today's my last day. You just keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. The thing is like, if you don't make tomorrow come, if you don't make tomorrow get better, it's not going to, like nothing's going to change unless you actually work at it. It's like, you know, it, you can't just wake up one day and everything's fixed. It's just, you know, as much as, as easy that would be, it's just not the case. Josh has a question. I'm going to unmute him. Josh, what do you got? What up, Cope? What's <laughs> up, Nootsie? How are you, bro? <laughs> Good, man. Yo, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm happy for you, bro. Um, I know we talked about this a little bit, but when did you start um, living your life for yourself and not for other people? Because I think that's a, that's a hard thing for people to start, you know, and really transition. So when, when, when was that for you? Yeah, man. Um, Juan, I appreciate you being here. Love you. Um, and I obviously know this is something me and you uh, talk about. It's also that Josh is very big on, um, you know, the, the whole thing is like, you have to be the number one person in your life. Um, you know, something that him and I, you know, believe very strongly in. Um, and we're taught from a super young age to put your friends first, put your family first, put your teammates first you're taught to put everybody else first, except for yourself. Um, and that's like the furthest thing from the truth. And it's not saying like, be dis like, you know, don't be disrespectful, don't be mean, stuff like that. But you have to be happy. Like you, like going back to what I was saying earlier, like do what makes you happy. Um, and it wasn't until I went to rehab. And that's the other thing I tell people like rehab was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. There's so many negative stereotypes around it. Um, even when I was younger, like I thought if somebody went to rehab, like they were a scumbag, they're a loser, like their life is over, they're going to amount to nothing. Um, and literally, like I could not have been more wrong. And it was the first time I started to actually learn 
how to love myself and how to put myself first, how to not be afraid of just doing what you want to do. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't until, you know, shit, like four and a half years ago. So, you know, I lived the first 26 years of my life putting everybody else first and worrying about everybody else. Um, but it was finally going to rehab and, you know, nobody should have to be taught like to love yourself. Nobody should have to be taught to put yourself first. Um, but sometimes we do. I needed to learn those lessons. I needed to be taught to be happy and to be the number one person in my life. Um, but yeah, once I truly believed that and truly learned it, you know, it was life-changing for sure. When you've learned, now that you've like learned all these things about yourself and you've learned how to cope, do you feel more empowered to be able to handle the challenges that come your way in life? Because you know, like I've been through all this and I've learned how to handle that. Like when, when life hits me, I got this. Has it given you a, a confidence, a sense of confidence? For sure. And, and it absolutely has. And I, th and I think the other thing too, is it's taught me more to learn to not worry about everybody else and not worry about what everybody else thinks. I think in the past, like if something happened or something embarrassing happened, like I was just so worried about like, what are they going to think? Like, what are they going to do? Like, what are they going to say about me? Um, when literally like they have no effect on my life. Like they're not living my life. Like we still get, just so get so caught up. Like, and somebody told me, um, one time like Alex you're not the most important person in the room like get that through your head and it was like a simple saying but the truest thing I ever heard like if I walk into a room not everybody's looking at me like there's Alex Noose the drug addict like that's not what they're thinking um so it was more like that aspect of it is I just stopped worrying about everything else and like you know the people who meant the most to me stayed in my life and were in my life and the people that were about all the bs you know filtered their way out uh, Steve has a question as well. Steve, what do you got? Uh, hey, I appreciate you being here. Uh, good stuff. Um, do have a question. How do you separate the anxiety from the addiction? Hmm. In what sense? So in, in, in the sense that, you know, you have to deal with the addiction that you had to deal with. Okay. And you also have to deal with anxiety. Do you just deal with them the same, or or, or is the the okay. approach the approach to, to to getting right with both of them the same? Right, right, right. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate you clarifying. Yeah, I didn't fully, um, you know, but now I see where you're going with it for sure. Um, yeah, two completely separate battles. Um, completely separate, at least in my opinion. You know, other people might yeah. think differently, but in my opinion, they're two completely separate diseases they're two completely separate battles um you know addiction you have to deal with and there's areas where they're going to overlap don't get me wrong there's areas sure. where anxiety is the reason you're taking pills or doing drugs to to numb it to escape it to get rid of it um but and sometimes like for me like i had to find out what was the root of my issues and my depression and my anxiety um but it first had to deal with what is going on like why are pills the answer in the first place? okay we talk about focusing on your first day not your worst day so worst day is rock bottom worst day was i got arrested worst day was um i got robbed at gunpoint worst day was i wanted to commit suicide um instead of focusing on the first day of why did pills answer all these questions for me like why did pills take away all this stress this pain this anxiety um 
but dealing with the getting sober part, you have to be sober in order to deal with these trauma, these stresses, these triggers. Um, so that's why you really have to focus on the rehab part of it, take it in stride. Sure, there's gonna be some overlap where you're focusing on anxiety. Once you can get sober, cause you need to feel the pain. Like you need to feel it like lift off of you in a sense. Um, and I've suffered from anxiety for four and a half years after getting sober. Like there was plenty of days where I was mentally exhausted. I was beat up um, just from battling my own head. But I continued to go to therapy. I continued to see it through. I continued to believe there was an answer. And like, no joke, it wasn't until about like two or three months ago that I actually finally figured out what it was. Um, but there's so many days I could have just gave up, called it quits. Um, but it was the after getting sober, continuing to work on my anxiety and my depression and not giving up on therapy um, and just saying like, okay, like you went to rehab, you're fine. But to me, there's just so much more to it. Yeah, I'm weird. I've, I've got uh, horrible anxiety that I suffer with. Um and I have for years. And the thing is, it's like, it doesn't affect me that much anymore because I'm so used to it that I'm able to work through it and deal with it. But it's very uncomfortable personally. It's so difficult to deal with. And um, it's weird. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but um, alcohol actually, and it doesn't matter the kind of alcohol, it stimulates anxiety for me. So, yeah. um, so I tend to avoid you know, and, and there are times I would like to have a beer or I'd like to have a glass of wine, but I don't because when I do, it stimulates that anxiety for some reason. So, right. um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sober, not by choice, so to speak, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you, bro. Definitely. No. And I, and I get it. There was, um, there was like a patch of time where I didn't leave my house other than work for three straight months. Yeah. Um, I only felt safe at work or at home. And the second was like going out to eat or going to the mall or going to a friend's house. Um, my mind and my body would take over and I would, you know, just start to like trigger. And I wouldn't even know what was triggering me. Like everybody would always ask me like, what's triggering you? Like, what's the trigger? And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's what just it for is. no reason. My body just starts freaking out. Um, I went to a, a big event, um, where, where do you live? Um, I'm kind of between places right now. I'm in Austin, Texas now. Okay. Uh, but my primary residency is Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. So I'm from Buffalo, New York. So we have the hockey arena yep. up here called Key Bank Arena. Um, I've been there. Back in March, I, back in March, I was supposed to go to a event there with a couple of buddies. Um, I'm not somebody who plans ahead because of anxiety. Um, I don't ever plan ahead. I, I don't do it because I'm always the person who's going to flake or let somebody down in that sense. Um, so I, I made plans. I forced myself to go. And of course I have an episode while I'm there. I start freaking out. I think, and I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. And literally to the point where I was laying on the floor next to an usher asking for paramedics. Um, and it's just like these events, like, I don't know where they come from. And in the moment I couldn't control it. I couldn't slow it down. And, um, is it embarrassing? Hell yeah. Like I wake, you know, I open my eyes, there's 20 people around me. My friends are holding my hand. Like they think I'm dying. Um, I get wheeled into the back room in a wheelchair. Um, you know, so it's crazy. It's tough, but, um, I've, I've been there. I know exactly yeah. what you, I know exactly what you're talking about. 
So anxiety is a different ball game. It's a different beast. Uh, panic attacks are nuts. But like I said, I recently finally figured out, you know, a lot of it, like where it all stemmed from. And for the first time in like my life, I've kind of been anxiety free for the most part. Not like, you know, depression free, but anxiety free. We're, we're getting there. Hi, Alex. Hey. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on. Of course. Um, this, this is a very challenging time now that we're going through with uh, the stresses of the pandemic. For you who has anxiety, has this, this pandemic worsened how you feel or how are you handling with this? Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a weird time, um, obviously for everybody. Um, and definitely in the beginning, um, it was pretty bad because uh, I'm a hypochondriac when it came to my anxiety. Like, you know, if I had a chest cough, I was had lung cancer or something like that. If I had a headache, I was having a brain aneurysm. Like that was the type of um, extreme anxiety that I would put myself through. Um, but, you know, the other nice thing is I'm also an introvert. Um, so for me, like staying home isn't the worst thing in the world either. So, you know, there's kind of, it's like, there's like blessings and curses to it. Um, but actually for me, it's connected me with more people, surprisingly. Um, I didn't play video games for five years. And my mom's going to like, here we go with the video game stuff again. But <laughs> I didn't play video games for five years um, because I only played games. That's the other thing with addiction. Um, you know, if you do something on pills, like you don't want to do those events anymore. Like I wouldn't go to the movies anymore. I wouldn't go play video games anymore because if I couldn't do them on pills like they were boring to me it wasn't fun anymore um but when the pandemic started I decided to get an xbox to pass the time when I was having to quarantine and stuff um and I just connected with so many old friends on the game and talking and playing and like so it actually in a weird sense for me it was almost beneficial at times but I know for a lot of other people it's you know been the opposite effect so I think it's all how you look at it everybody's different but for us introverts it hasn't been too bad glad you're doing well thanks alex you have a son and at some point you're gonna tell him about your experiences what lessons do you think you're going to want to share with him that you've learned and that you that you think he could benefit from from your experiences yeah i mean i think the like the number one thing um because i love that kid so much um <laughs> He's my everything. Um, but just like nothing's too bad. You know, like I think like every negative thing I did, and even if it wasn't a big negative, I just made it the biggest deal in the world. And I made it bigger than it was. And I made it scary to talk about and scary to deal with and scary to handle. Um, just to know, like, you know, that no matter what happens, like he's loved, no matter good bad what goes wrong like you have somebody to talk to to come to to have like your back no matter what um you know like just just don't be afraid to let people down like it's okay it's not that serious um you know i i just think about it you know someday like all this is not going to mean anything like all those embarrassing moments all those days i was sitting in my locker stressed about going to practice they don't mean anything anymore. So, you know, like don't get too caught up in the negative and just enjoy the good, you know? What do you think does, like what does really matter? What are the things that do have meaning? 
at this point it's all for me it's just like relationships it's people um it's being better um you know like and we've all seen it in the world lately and in the news lately but you know we have the the ability to make things better and we have the ability to help people um you know and sometimes we choose to and sometimes we choose not to but this whole instant gratification world that we live in like i'm not built for it um you know it's cool that we see videos of people doing good and people of videos like you know but like why do we have to video it like why can't we just be good people and not have to get recognized for it and not have to get thanks for it like just be out there support people love your family take care of people like you know but you know everything's about attention and likes nowadays so just break away from that and just be human beings again what are you most proud of that i'm still here uh still alive um you know i went i really like reflect on it um there was just so many things that could have gone differently and could have led to me not being here today um that i have an amazing family that i'm closer than ever with uh and that i have the most amazing son in the world that you know means everything to me and you know although like me and his mother aren't together we co-parent amazingly we uh we do it for him and uh you know he's he's all that matters at this point does he inspire you to, to stay sober and also not even just to stay sober just to work on yourself and be the best version of yourself for sure, because like, I know how I felt at my worst points and I know how bad I was at times. And like, I know like I couldn't be the best father for him unless I'm healthy, unless I'm happy. Um, and that's probably like one of the main reasons I'm still in therapy, still trying to figure it out. Um, I don't think most people my age have been in therapy for six years, but here I am, you know, still just trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. And, um, you know, day by day, I figure out a little bit more, learn a little bit more. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's all for him. Has there been a moment that you've looked at around at your life and been like, wow, like I've come a long way. Like, look at, look at what I've done and look at how much I've accomplished just in terms of my own health and my own personal growth. Has there been a moment or been something that you've experienced or that you've done that have kind of made you pat yourself on the back? Yeah, and I think, you know, despite like all the records I broke in college football and high school football um, and all those accomplishments and so many different awards and everything like that, like those don't mean anything to me. Like I don't even think about them anymore. Um, but now it's more like the people that reach out to me and thank me for helping them. Um, you know, the people like I would help even when I was hurting and even when I was going through anxiety and I was exhausted mentally, but you know, just, kept pushing to help them speak to them. Um, you know, a kid thanked me last night for saving his life. Um, and like, you know, it doesn't, it's your story it, about addiction. Did you share? Is that no, uh, it was just about anxiety and he reached out to me about, he was really struggling with anxiety. Um, I talked to him about, you know, what I went through, what I found out, what worked for me. Um, and he said for like the first time in months, he was able to eat normal. Like he was able to like leave his house um and it's just like that you know um just being able to be available to other people at this point instead of you know i could have just kept my story to myself i could have you know not talked about my addiction not talk about my struggles um but you know i think that's the biggest thing is that i did open up and i did share my story and 
like I said from the beginning, whether it helps a thousand people or one person, you know, that's all that matters. It's interesting because you kind of say that, you know, when you were trying to please everyone else, you were at your worst and you were the least able to function because you were trying to please everyone else. And when you started pleasing yourself, it sounds like you were most able to help people because you were at your best. So it's funny like, how, it's funny how that works, right? Yeah, like you can help people more when you first take care of yourself. Yeah, no, exactly. For sure. That's perfect. Does anybody else have any questions? Anybody? Okay, I'm just going to unmute everyone so that any, everyone can say good night and thank you. Thank you so much, Alex. I'm so proud of you and you're awesome, but I can't believe you're 30 because that means I'm older. <laughs> whoa, 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 I got, I still have a like, uh, less, little less than a month. <laughs> okay, good. So you're still in your 20s. Okay, good. <laughs> 29 for like 28 more days. <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> but thanks, Lauren. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Uh, and uh, thank you all for uh, being here. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, Go help somebody. Thank yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good job. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Feel well. Bye, guys. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. To join our next conversation, sign up for The Unsealed at theunsealed.com.